It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are with you until 11 o'clock, back with you this afternoon for Illinois football on just a glorious November day weather-wise. Too bad, uh, Mr. Tate, that we can't get a good crowd at Memorial Stadium to Isn't that a shame? enjoy a November 7th uh, college football game, Big Ten football game, but the game will go on. Yeah, you can always wonder what we would, what our record would be right now if we had played the original schedule. Imagine that. Seven and two, eight and one. <laughs> Who knows? Kent Brown is with us to uh, kick off the show, Associate Athletic Director in charge of sports information. What do you say? What do you know? What do you hear? I'm taking full responsibility for the weather okay. this week. That's about the only thing that I can control. I can you know, Normally, you say you can't control the weather, right? You just adjust to it. And so here we are, we, uh, week three. Uh, of the season, so it's uh, glad we can get this game off. I, no, no big surprises uh, uh, like we had last week. Um, so we get some players we, back, maybe. I mean, no, what? not necessarily. Uh, uh, you know, the contact tracing is a, also a ten to twelve day or fourteen day deal. The the players who tested positive are still out. So you had a couple of injuries. I wondered about Sydney we had a couple Sydney and some of those guys that were hurt and. We'll have to see. You know, we we release a list uh, about an hour before game time that uh, see whose name's on. There's still a lengthy list, but a big portion of those are are the contact tracing kids. Well, I think that's a huge part of the what's going on this season. You know, and, and we talk about this for basketball. You just say, well, how good will your team be? Well, how 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 safe will we be? How how will we will we be able to avoid the problems that the virus causes? Because in basketball, if you lose one or two guys, that could be overwhelming. It, absolutely. I mean, it just it, decimate your team. I mean, it, it, you start canceling games real quick when if you have too many guys. Right, you, you only have twelve or thirteen guys on your roster it, 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 before walk-ons and stuff like that. And so, twenty-one days, and and then if the contact tracing takes out a few more, it's it's a it can be devastating. That's hey, uh, Coach Fay and Coach Underwood are incredibly diligent on their as much of a bubble around their team as they can possibly be is, is lovey is, is well. And there's only so much you can do because of campus sure. and classes and roommates and whoever you're hanging out with, you, you just have to limit. You got to keep that circle really tight. And I, I know Brad tells his team every day, got to keep it extremely tight. This is no time to start expanding your, your circle. <laughs> Let's just keep this thing really tight. We have too much on the line here. Let's keep this thing tight. Well, we've seen what's happened at Wisconsin. They've had to um, cancel a second game. Raises the question, how many games do they need to be in consideration for the Big Ten title? Is it six? Yeah. It's six, but, you know, there's some language in there. It's It also has to do with the percentage of the average number of games played. So right. um, if, if some if – some, something were to happen where there's multiple games start being – canceled than the average number there's there's some oh, language in there so it could change a little bit but 
if no if no if other everybody games, else has problems then then you the, the, you it kind know, of pulls changes. it all back together yeah you see there were 47 games had been called off canceled or postponed going into this weekend we got four or five more already this weekend so it's a it's a, it's a significant number no there's no doubt about it no what doubt. is it five percent so you're thinking five guys basically right Five, six. Five or six guys on a, on a football team that, would that have the virus. Right. Yeah. I understand no, that. Those, yeah, that, that's it, not a big number. It's a different level. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's a number, right? And yeah. it's something, and it's, it, doesn't ha- it doesn't take long to get there if, if the virus spreads. And, uh, you know, our guys, our, our medical team has been unbelievably diligent in this thing. And, and Randy, I saw Randy walk out yesterday. Randy uh, Ballard, who's our director of sports medicine, was a – trainer been a trainer here for many years and uh, has worked with volleyball and other sports and an unbelievable job and so his he's on the he's on the committee the big 10 uh committee and i mean i can't i have no idea how many meetings that he's a part of and phone calls and guys like me i get a question i don't know how to answer uh about a we had a media member uh call me this week and say hey uh, my wife works in the health industry uh, she was exposed to COVID. She's come home. She's on the in quarantine. I'm if she's exposed and I'm exposed, maybe should I? Do I need to come? Do I need to cover the game from home or do I come to the game? My editor said he leave it up to you. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> like, oh. thanks yeah. a lot. Huh? So hey, Randy, here's the deal. And he's like, you know, the timing. He goes, if that happens, he goes. I suggest they do it remotely. Okay, so that's what I told him. I said that I think this week you should probably be <laughs> remote. And the things that we're doing, providing uh, the Zoom press conferences. I mean, none of, nobody in the press box can go to the press conference anyway. They're all we're all watching it, whether you're at home or in the press box. Um, you can probably see just as well on his television sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, but there is a, a difference. And in, in Lauren and Steve, both of you guys, know it's difference covering a game in person versus being away. Um, and so, you know, our radio crew to listen next week is going to be a challenge, right? Right. Uh, going to Rutgers, uh, radio crew is going to be in Champaign. Well, uh, Ohio state has not letting their radio crew travel to any games this year. They're all doing them from Ohio stadium or back. Yeah. In they Columbus. made that decision pretty early. They really did. And that was a corporate decision. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about uh, what, uh, about letting the people in today in the press box. How, how are you handling that? So uh, our policy, and we came up with this protocol before this, you know, we were working on this before the was canceled the first time and then mm-hmm. had to kind of dust it off and bring it back. But, uh, you know, our media, uh, we don't give out season credentials. We're giving out single game credentials only. Uh, and so I, I've had to re- deny uh, several people who have had credentials over time just because I have to – spacing in there. I have mm-hmm. every – every third seat that allows space in between the seats uh in for social distancing uh everybody comes through gets a temp uh temperature scan and as long as they don't be above it's whatever it is 99.4 or something is the maximum um they're given their credential and then our elevator actually has a limit of five people on the elevator and you're there's spots where to stand to try to uh space and then We've asked people not to congregate in the press box, so um, we have a, we still have a, a pregame meal of some kind, but it's a boxed lunch, and so it's a it's a boxed thing. So people pick up a box, go back to their seat. We took all the tables. You know that was one of the things that's kind of fun about the press box on yeah. game days uh, before the game is we provide a meal and and 
everybody kind of sits around at different tables and talks and you see people you have, you know you see once a week or once every few weeks and you get a chance to just kind of congregate you know talk about stuff well we had to take that away and and which is everybody understood there's you know there's no f- pushback it's just the way it is and so people take their little box lunch to their seat and and uh and, and watch the game uh the post game as i said you know we're doing zoom calls and uh even Last week, it was a little bit different because we had breakout rooms, and so that was a little different twist than what we've done in the past with everybody. So everybody had to kind of learn. If they didn't have the latest version of Zoom, we had a couple of reporters that hadn't updated their Zoom, and so they weren't able to get to the breakout room. And so they were on the main the main room and couldn't get to some of the players that were in the breakout areas. And so we've helped them get through that so they're ready, prepared for to do that this you week. You know, it's really hard if you're trying to develop like, a storyline as a writer. And I saw Bob, obviously, uh, yesterday did an interview with Epstein separate from the Zoom, which is the only way you can really get a story because you're only allowed to ask two questions and then it goes to the next person. You know, by, by the time it gets around to you again, you know, it's, they've asked all kinds of different questions on, uh, on a different storyline. Right. And so it's, 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 it's a, that's a tricky thing because it doesn't really – give you that much opportunity to dig. Yeah, the feature, deep feature things. And Bob has for years written a, a feature for game day mm-hmm. and, and normally sits down with one of our players or coaches for it's usually a 20, 25-minute interview. Mm-hmm. And always we've done it on Mondays in our press around our weekly press conference and don't have that this time. So, you know, we're setting up some separate things. And we've done that. We've but done you're that. you're doing with, it by phone now. We're doing it by phone. And we do those. And, and we set those up as much as we can uh, with some of the separate – interviews but we try to provide a couple players to everybody every week so that you have a chance to talk to somebody just not as many as we've been able to do in the past well, i want to talk about that zoom you weren't involved i mean this was person that basically doing the basketball zoom but i'm going to tell you uh at the risk of going too far uh Curbelo and miller were really impressive on the air yeah i yeah. mean they are really two sharp guys i think it's important that you have particularly when you have leaders of a team when they're that articulate. They're, they're really good. Yeah, um, they kind of remind me. And it's I first wanna, time I'd heard them both. Yeah, right? you know, I don't want to go too far, but, you know, Dee and Darren were, were guys who – Same way. And they were forced into that position because there was no players above them on the roster. They were the they were starters from day one, really. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they came in and established themselves as leaders and as people who – reporters could go talk to and they had a rapport and they and they had the maturity to be able to do that and these guys seem to have a real similar take on it even though they're not really forced into the the main thrust into the main role is like those other guys were in the past you have a lot of freshmen and you know i think back to kiwan garris he's a terrific guy but his freshman year you know he he couldn't get on the he couldn't do what they did on the air yeah i mean he was these these two are and, and miller especially i mean He's not going to be the point guard necessarily, but he's going to he's going to play. I can tell just from his attitude. I can just I, I'm really I, that that gives you a good feeling about the long term future for this thing when you have two freshmen like that. And this is probably a different conversation for some time, but with the name, image, likeness uh, uh-huh. coming on board here soon, where college student athletes can profit off of their their name, their image, their likeness, their social media accounts. It is more important than ever that they have, they are prepared to uh, how to communicate 
publicly, mm-hmm. how they project themselves, how yeah, they, if they're going to represent a company. If they're going to represent somebody, yeah. uh, they it, how they do that, and so it can be. And now there's going to be some that's going to be worth uh, um, a significant amount of money. So. Uh, you know, we've we've just signed up with a, a company called uh, Open Doors, and it's a company that prov- helps uh, train and helps provide you know ideas and helps our athletes as they come in uh, to to put themselves in a position so they can make good decisions on what they're doing and how they can maybe monetize and how they can maximize some of the things they're doing and and um, and so we haven't I don't we haven't we're still working on some of the details for that and and, and we'll have some public information about that but that's a that's a company that's out there that's doing this with a lot of different schools so uh but we can use that from a recruiting standpoint right you can use that as when you're talking to recruits to say we're going to help you put you in a spot to to help help yourself we're talking to ken brown the phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven if you'd like to jump in and uh, join us any questions you might have about uh, protocols and how the football season is running so far and how the basketball season might run now there will be some fans today right uh, parents yeah you know last week we i think we announced the tens of 858 or something you know some some number just shy of 900 uh parents uh and families of of players and, and staff members who are working um the games and and then for both teams and so um There'll be there'll be a few. You know, it was interesting. I don't. I was down I, at the end. I, I still went down to the field so I could be closer to the Smith Center and get there at the end of the game. And uh, there was some noise. You know, you could hear the noise on the field from the fans because that game, uh, when Illinois had a chance to win the game uh, down there in the deep, and then when uh, Purdue held them, there was some noise. And then when Illinois had a chance on a long play, I mean, there was there was some noise that you could hear. You could pick I up some. I'll bring up. You said when Illinois had a chance to win the game, and that's what Levy was going to do. He announced later. I just really surprised me. He said, "If we tied the game, if we had scored a touchdown, we we're going to go for two yeah. and try to win." At that point, the score was thirty-one to twenty-four, and I was thinking, "Boy, if we can just get down and tie it," but he wasn't thinking that way. No, he was thinking of winning. Let's go to the phones, and Phil in Urbana is with us. Go ahead, Phil. Good morning. Uh, Ken, is there word yet on uh, the basketball schedule and uh, fans in the uh, State Farm Center? That is the million-dollar question that we're all waiting to hear. So um, we we keep thinking it's going to be any day uh, that we'll have a schedule because of the um, – um, obviously, we're, we, we could play open as early as the 25th, right? Yes. And so um, that's uh, – two and a half weeks, I think, something like that. So we are close, and so uh, we're all waiting on that. Um, has not been released, but we have every reason to believe it's going to be imminent. <laughs> That's about okay. the And for fans, I, I think I think we're, we are planning right now. Um, we are working on, on the same plan as, as we are with football, that player families would be the only, uh, the only fans in the stands at this point, if, if that gets approved now. Um, I, I think the, the Missouri Valley played volleyball this fall, and they were given the opportunity to have their f- player families at those matches. Um, and so we think that that's probably the way the basketball is going to end up as well. Now, I, I understand that they're working on the Missouri game to find a place to play if they can't play in St. Louis. In other words, it might be a home game. It might be a game played at some other location. I think there'll be some information coming about out about that very soon too. So. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, it, will it be good information? 
Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> all information is good. Oh, yeah, if, if there's clarity, if it's clarity, it's good information. If we're trying to clarify something and it's clear, it's and clear. And what about Baylor? We got a game with Baylor too. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've heard so many different things on on that possible matchup, um, moving sites and moving opponents and all kinds of stuff. So I I, I don't know when that. Do you get the feeling it'll soon. be a twenty game schedule or a twenty two game Big Ten schedule? I'm guessing twenty. I don't know. I think I think it'll probably end up being the twenty. I think is where they're probably going to end up, um, and that's where they were headed. I think early when when the MTEs and then a lot of those were canceled, right? Mm-hmm. And so that changed everybody's everybody's in scramble mode. Uh, teams have never had to schedule like this before, um, and so everybody's in scramble mode trying to get their their games in order. So I think it'll probably end up being twenty Big Ten games. But shoot, I'm telling you, until we see it. And I, and I hope it's this week. I mean, I, I can't it's tell you. It's definitely this week. It's got to be, right? I mean, it's got to be. We've said that for weeks, right? No. We've said it for weeks. So yeah, I, it's it was definitely be. not last week. <laughs> that's the only definite thing we know. Uh, Phil, you got anything else? No, no. Thanks a lot for taking the call. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye thanks. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. We'll take our first time out, talk some more with Ken Brown. When we come back, we'll keep the phone lines open. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Back after this. Welcome back to the show, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving up on 919-356-9397 is the phone number. Illinois football this afternoon, 240 kick time at Memorial Stadium. Also on the Big Ten schedule today, number 23, Michigan at uh, number 13, Indiana. Michigan State is at Iowa. Nebraska at Northwestern. Maryland plays at Penn State. And then tonight it's uh, Rutgers at Ohio State. The Purdue-Wisconsin game, as you certainly know by now, has been canceled. That's the schedule for today. Kent Brown is with us. We'll talk a little bit about the trip to um, Wisconsin, even though it's a couple weeks old now, but some interesting things happened there. Tell the the, the hotel story that uh, the hotel had been closed. Yeah, absolutely. The hotel that we stayed at, which was a Marriott in Middleton, um, had been they had closed it. It had been closed for weeks, if not a couple months, before we we were their first business uh, <laughs> when when we when we stayed there. And uh, it's a like a nine story, the big huge atrium, uh, and. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's it was just us. It was just the team, and and so, a little spooky that that there was no one else around. Um, you know, uh, just the workers, uh, which you know, who know? There's no way. You know, everybody uh, pointed back at Wisconsin for uh, our two guys who tested positive, and there's no way of knowing right. where that where they picked it up. I mean, there's just not. And so, um, the hotel hadn't been used, but. There were people there. The the state, you know, we're all on a bus. The the stadium, we're in and out of the state. You know, I, it, it's just impossible. I mean, it's an it's an impossible thing to point pinpoint. Let's go back to the phones. Got a couple of calls. Let's go to David in Springfield. You're on the air, David. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate being on with you guys today. I've been an Illinois fan clear back to when Dave Downey was playing. If you can remember back that far, <laughs> Lauren can for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> 57, 58 years, uh, been a fan. But here's my question. I've been over there for quite a few basketball, football games. Here's my question. When I contacted uh, Cassie and talked to her on and off throughout this year, but uh, I have a grandson who's a big football, basketball fan, and I have a football, basketball fan, and he's in the military and serving in Iraq. He just got back, 
here recently, and he made me get to come home for a visit, and I see if I could get an autographed picture of Lovey uh, and or, or or both of them individual ones of, of Brad Underwood and give it to him as a that'd be a great gift because uh, you know over when he was in Iraq they had a tough tough time of you know of missiles going off from Iraq at the time and risking that life was in danger and stuff and and uh, he's been through a lot and I thought you know him being a fan if you you guys could help me out but I understand that the, the coronavirus issue though I do understand that. But she just said that she's not allowed. Cassie did. That can't get in to to talk to the people. And what what, what kind of what's going on with that? Do you know? Or well, what do I do? yeah. I mean, we are the the, the folks who are in that building are, are extremely limited. Who can go in and out? Um, do you say it was your son or your grandson? It's my grandson. Your grandson, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we thank him for uh, everything he's doing. It's, you know, it's the the our military uh, personnel putting their lives on the line and and trying to keep our our world safe. Uh, unbelievably appreciative of that. Um, just, just, just one other thing with that. He yeah. was over in Iran, in Iraq, for uh, nine months and 100, 120 degrees, and he stationed in Fairbanks, Alaska. Where the other day it was like fourteen to twenty below. <laughs> <laughs> That's life in the military. Isn't it? The other. You know, here it's it's uh, you know one of the things that we're we're all trained is we can't promise um, autograph items. We just can't. The, the number of people who uh, reach out and ask for things it's it's um, it became a, it's it became overwhelming oftentimes, especially athletes. And so specifically athletes, we don't do it for coaches. Um, you know, there's oftentimes we've, they've been available to, to do some things. Um, let me, you know, I'll talk, I'll talk to Cassie and, and I don't know, I just don't know, you know, every time, uh, I'll be honest with you, I try to spend as little time as possible, uh, around the coaches and staff. Um, I don't want to be the person that, that, that for some reason, I mean, I get tested every day as well, but I don't want to be the one that brings it down. So, you know, we all are trying to respect that and, and especially this year of, of trying to just keep a distance of everybody. But, um, you know, if you want to send me an email or something, I'll, I'll try to follow up as much as I can. But anyway, we thank your grandson for, for everything What, what would doing. your email address be, Ken? It's kwbrown3 at illinois.edu, kwbrown3, the number three. Brown 3 okay. You know, let me tell you, several years ago I had, I hate to say this to you guys, but I had a, had a see an older lady who was a Duke fan, you know. I liked her, but I didn't care for her team, her school. But uh, for her birthday, I called out. Just called out there, and they sent me an autographed picture of uh, Mike Shashevsky. And on the back, actually, it's a team picture of Mike Shashevsky. And on the back of the picture was all the players signed it as well. Wow, well, very nice. Just, yeah. But uh, that's that's you know that's. I thought maybe you guys could do something like that for a public as well sometime in the future maybe or something. But. All right. Okay, David, thanks. I know it's so hard, and I, thanks, I apologize. David. But good, you're doing a good job, and thank you very much. Yep, appreciate the call. Let's go to Steve. Hey, Steve, you're on the air. Go ahead with us. Morning, guys. Just a couple quick questions. Uh, um, on um, what was I going to say? On the defense, Lauren, uh, I know Brad Underwood on basketball You know, was playing that over-aggressive defense and made a change, and it's obviously changed the outcome of some of how competitive we are. Yep. Why can't Lovey make that similar change? <laughs> well, uh, I, and you know, I, I think that he's aware of what the problem is. I think, and I think we're all aware that the that the receivers have been too open. And when people complete eighty-seven point five percent of the passes for the first two games, it's obvious where the problem is. So he's got a chance to solve it. I don't know how you go about it. I, I just know he has to do it. I. You know, uh, last year, maybe the year before, they used an awful lot of nickel, 
they're not using as much nickel yeah. now, I don't believe. But right, and, you know, but which okay. uh, nickel being the fifth uh, defensive back in there. But frankly, uh, can't um, I have a? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Lauren. Hey, just real quick, Kent. I know somebody donated a significant amount of money to upgrade Stone Creek. Can you speak to some of those renovations when they'll start? Will the team be able to maybe host an invitational or there, and will the public still be able to play that course? The public will still be able to play once it reopens. Um, the team, the hope with some of the upgrades to the course is that we will be able to host uh, some additional tournaments. What had happened is that over time, and when that course was built 20 years ago or so, um, you know, it was probably a championship level. What had happened is, you know, the, our our guys hit farther and, and the equipment's better, and sure. and so they're they're extending the 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 farthest tees. Uh, they're narrowing some of the fairways, uh, trying to challenge it a little bit, yet still leave it as a uh, something that the general public can can use and enjoy as well. So it's not too hard, but they need to they needed to uh, toughen it up just a little bit in some of the areas because of the width of the the fairways and things. So there you know, and then a lot of the other stuff. It's uh, uh, the locker room areas, you know. So our, when our team's out there to to uh, an amenities type thing, so that uh, it's at a level for a championship program like what we have our men's and women's programs. Um, so um, those are a lot of the areas. But I think the biggest things is is you know, when they're looking at the course, I mean, they're trying to, to make it challenging yet uh, make it uh, usable for the, the general public as well. Will that be open uh, then next spring, or when do you foresee well, that? Well, the, the original plan, do, yeah, the plan was to offers. open it. The, the plan was to open it, reopen next spring, and so I don't I, I don't know what the latest is on if that's going to happen or not, but that was the original plan was to try to get that reopened next spring. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Knowing Mike Small as I do, one of the ways to make it harder is to to dry it out, make it hard and fast, <laughs> and that's that's what they do. Stone Creek, if you played it over the years, it was always pretty wet, pretty moist, and wide open. It's wide open. The fairways are very, very forgiving and very wide. You'd you'd have to go some not to hit a fairway on some of those holes, but they're going to change that a little bit. And What's that say about my game? When <laughs> I was the extractive, extractive part for the bad golfers like me is that you could hit spray it a little bit and still be, right. you know. Lauren, don't, one, don't give me, hey, don't, first off, Lauren, happy birthday this last yeah, week. thank you. And you, you went out and played on your birthday. That's right. And you, we came, what, you shot a 90? Shot 90. Shot 90, you missed by one shot of shooting your A. Day before, yesterday, day before yesterday, I shot 88. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, all right. A. Congratulations. Both are bad scores. That's, so. uh, that's not news anymore when Lauren shoots the stage. Let's go back to the I phone. <laughs> Steve in Princeton. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, this one's for Kent. And I've been listening to him talking about, you know, autographs and pictures and so forth. And I've been wanting to talk to Kent for a long time. But last December, in fact, it was December 1st, the Chicago Tribune did a big article on Kofi, went back to his home country and family. I don't know if Kent's familiar with that. Uh, story that the Tribune did. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm very aware. Well, anyway, my granddaughter's nine. She lives in Monticello, and she cut it out and she took it to Michael's, and they framed it for her. Did a matte finish and all that stuff. But she said, "What do I do with it? Dad is sitting in my bedroom. How do I get it to Kofi?" <laughs> well, I, I will tell you this. This is a year that's different than any other. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, our players are um, accessible and the team's accessible um, after games or after practice. You know, it's just been um, 
but this year that's just they're they're just not going to be available for for things and um I mean, if it, if somebody wanted to mail something, they could mail it to the athletics department, and the address is uh, the the Bielfeld Administration Building at seventeen hundred South Fourth Street, Champaign. Um, but you know, from an in person thing, it's 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 too bad because that's that's one of the the great things about athletics, and especially young people who get a chance to be around some of their you know idols, people they look up to and uh, aspire to be, and aspire to be in that same place, and and our athletes have always done a great job of of engaging with their fans and with their with especially the the young people and and um because they were there once themselves uh it just we're not going to have that opportunity this year to do that you know we've had several events where it was open where public could could come in get autographs and and do things we had those for years we'd do the uh uh the scrimmage before the season and players would uh, sit at the tables and people could bring their stuff in and get autographed and it was a great way to, to do that, and it's just that's just not possible until we get through all the the uh, the, the virus issues that we're going to have to do with the pandemic. But I guess I just have to tell her to keep it in your bedroom, keep it safe, and maybe someday, you know, a year down the road or something, you'll cross you and give it to him as a memento. Or yeah, she'd really like to get it to Kofi's mom because I think she lives in New York, and she thought she might like to have it out there, if nothing else. Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice of her. So anyway, I just was been wanting to ask you that for a long time, but I thought, well, he's on this morning. I'll do it. Okay. All right, Steve. Thanks. Appreciate it. Speaking of Kofi, some good news this week on the watch list for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award that goes to the nation's top big man, Luca Garza, yeah. last year's winner, also on that list. But a pretty good list, and that's two watch lists. Two watch lists this week and with uh, Io and, and Kofi and uh, both are going to be, you know, preseason probably all Big Ten level, and um, so it's it's um, it, it, until you you know it's almost you haven't seen him play for a while until you see him play again. You're like, man, how physically imposing he really is. He's amazing. Uh, and Lauren, you know as well as I do, we haven't had we and we said this last year, we've never had a player like him physically, no, uh, no. ever. No, he's, and, uh, he's Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He had twelve double doubles. He's yeah. a he's a horse. And and he's how much is he going to improve? Is the next question. Yeah, and that's that's everybody's. And, you know, it's how he's hard you work and, and how you're going to do it. And so, uh, man, I tell you, I I just I enjoy watching every day. Every we should enjoy he and I all those guys. But they're special guys that come along. He is such a unique talent because of his size. Made the biggest block of the season. Unbelievable. Against yeah. who? Garza. <laughs> Garza. That's right. To win the game. Well, yep. there's there going to be some great Big Ten basketball matchups when we when we get to that. KB, we appreciate your time. Yeah, always uh, good seeing you guys. It was, it was fun seeing people in the press box last week. A lot of the of our reporters, all I've seen them is on the my right. my computer screen on the the Zoom calls, and so it's not like I haven't seen them, but to see people in person's always been good. Although it's Becoming more and more, uh, I guess maybe it's a little bit easier than, I, than it was for a while. Is recognizing people with the mask on. You know, I got to recognize eyes and eyebrows, <laughs> right? Uh, and hairlines. You know, so if anybody got a real different haircut, it's really difficult for me <laughs> to pick some of these people out. But uh, it's fun. You know, we've got uh, today um, Fowler Cannell. I'm going to mention Fowler. Fowler. Uh, we talked about Lauren's birthday, and it's an amazing career. Uh, Fowler Cannell, who was the longtime sports editor of the Danville Commercial News, still does a uh, radio show, uh, WDAN in Danville, every Saturday morning. Um, he's covered our games since the early 50s. Yeah. Um, he did not come last week. I kind of 
I've talked to them. I, I didn't know if it was safe. I said, let me get through this first game and see how it's all going to work out And because Fowler really wanted to, to cover a game. He's 96. He'll be 97 in the spring. Um, and so uh, the average age – uh, in, in the booth where I'm putting Lauren and Bob and Fowler, Bob brings the average age down like 20 years. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> with those, with those two, a lot of, lot of, uh, of visual, a lot of ball games that those two have watched. Lauren and, and Fowler, and he's a great guy. He comes to every, drives over himself, um, and, and you know I, I appreciate him and respect him so much for for doing it. And he he still covers the team. He's still sharp. Asks questions every day, and uh, at almost a lot of the press conferences and takes care of himself. And I know he's – this has been a big deal. Uh, a lot of his schedule was really disrupted with the with the virus stuff and to be safe. But it'll be fun to see uh, Fowler today. Yes, it will. We'll see you over there this okay. afternoon. Very good. That's Ken Brown, 934. We'll take a break and be back with more on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It is 936. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you until 11 today, 356-9397 is the telephone number if you'd like to join in the conversation. Coming up on the show in the second hour, Mike Grimm, who is the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, will join us to talk more about uh, that football team, Illinois and Minnesota, this afternoon at Memorial Stadium. We'll also hear some comments from Andre Corbello and Adam Miller later in the show in the second hour as well. Thanks to Kent Brown for stopping in to visit with us. We now welcome to the program a Illinois alumni, Justin Harrison, out of Bloomington, Illinois. Former Illinois safety is with us on the phone. Justin, good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm doing great. Want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Illinois football? You're still around the area here, and uh, we want you to tell tell us at some point here what you're doing these days. But first of all, your thoughts on what you've seen from uh, this Illinois football team through. A couple of ball games. Oh man, I think it's been really exciting just to see those guys out running around, playing the sport, uh, playing, playing, and enjoying it. Uh, you know, I think that they've shown some shot signs. Uh, you know, with everything they've been throwing, a bunch of curveballs this year, they've shown uh, tenacity and they've shown perseverance and just getting out and being able to compete. Can you imagine? And it's been a little while since you played. You played back uh, 2004 to 2007, but as a player going through what. Uh, Players today have had to go through with this pandemic. Nobody saw it coming, obviously. But uh, you mentioned curveballs; they've had plenty of those, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. I just tell uh, talking to a group of guys the other day and saying, you know, I'm not sure if at that age and at that time in my life I was mature enough to handle, you know, as much adversity as they have. You know, the adversity that we had to go through uh, was just the weekend, week out of just being a young student athlete on campus, managing the, the day-to-day uh, life of being a student and preparing yourself to, to play on national TV. And those guys have to do that uh, under a microscope now and, and also manage a global pandemic. Hey, Justin, this is Lauren. Uh, you came in under uh, Ron Turner, and uh, that was a rough year, the last year of Ron Turner, and the first two years of Zook. I know. I just looked at your record. The team was 7-27. and 27. You won 7 out of 34 games those first three years, and then – the 2007 run where you uh, beat number one Ohio State and went to the uh, Rose Bowl. What tell tell us about that process and what what uh, you know uh, how you were able to turn that thing around as a team. Well, it was a, it was a really a building process, and we you know understood that coming into the program that we wanted to be a part of a change, 
Um, and even through the coaching change, we knew that, um, that, that that was a challenge for us as student athletes to just take that uh, week in and week out and continue to get better, gaining experience, building trust in each other, building trust in the program and uh, confidence in what we were doing. I think, you know, it took us a while to get there, but, but once we understood uh, what we were trying to accomplish as a group, we were able to go out and have some team success. What uh, what were the keys to the 2007 run in your view? For us, for, for, I think, for us, I think a lot of guys just got to the point where we understood uh, through experience how, how to attack teams. We understood how teams would attack us, and we trusted each other to go out and make plays week in and week out. Uh, it was at a point, I believe, in the 2006 season where we'd look across the field or we'd look across um, the huddle and, really, and just really have a good, great understanding for where we were supposed to be and, and what we were supposed to be trying to accomplish. And that wasn't just a, a game by game, but it was really a play by play. Um, confidence and not letting your teammate down, confidence and being able to execute your assignment. The question today is as you analyze what's happening with Illinois, and the opposing teams have completed 87.5% of their passes in two games, what's the problem with the secondary and allowing those receivers to get so open? I think the biggest thing, or one of the things that I've noticed on the field is those guys, um, you know, individually are really trying to to go out and do what their tasks are, but collectively they don't they don't really have a lot of trust in the system. Um, and and week in and week out when you have guys that are out there, you know, it took me a while uh, over the years of playing to really understand what the system what we were trying to accomplish. There were certain routes that I knew that we weren't going to be able to stop, uh, but then everything else I knew that we would have to shut down. I think a lot of what they, they do is they go out and, uh, you know, whether it's trying to create turnovers or whether it's trying to create stops and get generate the ball back to the offense, um, it just seems like sometimes they're not on the same page and they don't trust each other. Well, you know, that, that, that's kind of strange because I know what you're saying is accurate, but the thing is that this is a veteran unit with Hobbs and and uh, – and, and the guy, you know, they've got Witherspoon, who's back from last year uh, at the other corner. They've got uh, veteran safeties. Uh, that's the part I don't get because this should be a, a team that uh, collectively should be pretty solid. They should know the system, and that's the part I don't get. Absolutely, yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, I talked with Kevin Mitchell, and I talk with him quite uh, frequent. And one of the things that we always talk about, it doesn't matter how long you, how long you've been on the field. It matters how long you've been with the guys and how long you've established that trust. And there was a time, you know, during the Illinois program where I could really look back and say, you know, I was trying to execute my job. And no matter how many times I did it, 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 it never was successful until I understood what Kevin was trying to accomplish and we were on the same page. And I say, you know, it only took us, it only took us about five or six weeks to really start playing together. Um, and that's, that's why I think that those guys have to have to come together and, and really establish what they're trying to do as a unit, uh, not what they're trying to do individually, and, and, and really come together and, and be able to execute the game plan from a, from a defensive standpoint. Another couple of minutes with Justin Harrison. You mentioned Kevin Mitchell, and I can't recall a harder-hitting pair of safeties on a football team than you two guys. You were almost like linebackers playing back there, and uh, that's part of what made you guys effective, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we tried to do week in and week out is deter receivers from running the routes that we weren't going to be able to defend. 
And I think that's part of what they what they could try to execute in today's game. It's a little bit different with the targeting penalties, but I think from a uh, from a physicality standpoint, they could still execute some of the things that we really hung our hats on. You know, separating the receiver from the ball, deterring uh, deterring offenses from from running certain routes, um, and definitely uh, getting down in the red zone. And, and, be, and being able to be effective uh, from a from a secondary standpoint. What do you think about the targeting rules of today? I I think everybody realizes what is trying to be done by having those rules, but uh, it's a fine line there. And a lot of times, Lauren and I have talked about it several times that you know a, a ball carrier uh, might be going down at the time that he gets hit, and it's it's kind of, you know it, it just uh, makes it tough to to make a play sometimes, right? Absolutely, I think the biggest thing is it kind of it kind of deters the defense from gaining confidence and being able to go out and establish themselves from a physicality standpoint. It gives a little bit of an edge psychologically for the receivers, or giving them the false sense that they can run across the middle, false sense that they can run certain routes and they're not going to be hit. And that's one of the things you know I've talked about, and I, my brother's a high school football coach, so I often talk with him in regards to it doesn't change the way that I physically would have played the game. It just shrinks the uh, the target zone from from going and hitting guys in the numbers and hitting guys around the waist to even hitting guys around the knees. You know, those are still all legitimate hits in today's game. Uh, but I think that it gives that receiver, that uh, that OBJ, that Odell Beckham uh, complex, where they can go across the middle with one-hand catches and feel that they're not going to hit get hit. And, and that confidence really uh, is, is exposed week in and week out uh, with receivers and quarterbacks being able to make plays. Justin, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, family, family. I got two young kids. My son's seven. My daughter's two. Uh, you know, we've been able to get extremely close through this uh, challenging time. You know, we uh, we recently just bought a house out in the Savoy area, and so we've been spending a lot of time in the yard, whether it's uh, just playing, uh, exercising, uh, spending family time. You know, so that's been great. Uh, as far as work, uh, I'm working as a dealer and automotive dealership consultant, so. It's very close to coaching. I go in on a day-in and day-out basis and, and try to get from a sales and operations standpoint the dealership to um, operate at maximum efficiency. Is coaching anything that you had uh, at one time or another thought about? Absolutely. You know, when I, after I played at Illinois, I came back with Coach Zook and Coach Lou Hernandez down in the weight room and helped out the program for about four years. Right. And then I coached uh, down at Lindenwood, uh, Belleville, a small upstart uh, football program. So coached collegially for a while. And now, you know, I have uh, flag football teams with my son and different uh, coaching opportunities and really just starting out with a younger group of kids and building them up. Well, Justin, before we let you go, tell us what you expect today and what's it going to take to bring Illinois back, particularly defensively. I think defensively, they just have to go out and be physical with the, with the Minnesota Gophers. Uh, one of the things that I've seen, you know, they have a great running back, just like well, when we played back with the um, Barber and Maroney years, a uh, great running back that, that's able to, to be physical, and I think they have to match that tenacity, match that physical nature, uh, go out. And, you know, one of the things that, that they've really hung their hat on is creating turnovers, and I think that's uh, really played its part, you know, some of it being in missed tackles and some of it being in efficiency and getting the ball back. I think that, you know, one of the things they have to do is get stops defensively, uh, get the ball back to the offense, whether it's uh, three and outs or whether it's creating turnovers, but really just keep keeping the uh, Gophers out of the end zone. Are you as anxious as some of us are to see what Taylor can do with a 
with a week of preparation and, and knowing what he's uh, going to be up against today as quarterback? Well, absolutely. You know, I think that I saw him a few times back in high school, and he was really uh, – he was really instinctual. Uh, last week, I think he played a lot off of those instincts. I can only imagine that he's going to be better with a week of preparation, with them really uh, trying to cater the offense to his strengths, uh, allowing him to get out of the pocket, create some plays, but also uh, stay in the pocket and, and show us the accuracy that, it, that we saw in high school. Hey, Justin, always good to catch up with you. Thanks for taking time this morning, and we'll do it again one of these days. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. Always looking forward to it. Go Illini. You bet. Justin Harrison with us. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, moving up on 948. Take a brief time out. The phone line will be open uh, after we come back. Stay with Just us. One, we'll... I, uh, one other thing, uh, uh, since Justin hung up, I noticed that uh, Bonte Davis was a cornerback on those teams when he was a junior and senior, and, right. and Alan Ball was the other corner. We had some pretty good players, uh, although Ball was gone in 2007, but uh, they, had some, they had really good secondary there with, uh, with Mitchell Harrison and, and Bonte Davis. We do have the phone line open, 356-9397. Before we go to break, let's uh, say hi to Alan. Good morning, Alan. What's up? Morning, guys. Uh, Lauren, I know we're concerned about the recruiting in uh, football, and should be. Are you concerned about the recruiting in basketball? I'm not concerned. I, I think they've got to try to get a center. I think they're pretty well set uh, at other positions. Uh I do have one forward coming in from uh, Fort Wayne, but, uh, you know, I, it's way too early for me to be uh, what I would call concerned. I mean, I'm always concerned to the extent that you got to keep doing it. But And they've lost out on some key wings, but uh, they have wings in the program. And the other, th- the other reason I'm not overwhelmingly concerned is that some of these guys that are seniors could come back next year. I mean – I, until I know uh, who's going to come back, I, I meant to ask that to Kent Brown. They've got 25 or 24, 25 seniors on this Illinois football team. They could all come back. Now, they won't, but I bring this up every week. Basketball. This is a consideration because how do you, uh, you, you know, uh, how many freshmen can you afford to bring in if the seniors come back because of the overall numbers? And the same thing is true of basketball. These seniors could come back. You could. You could have another year uh, out of Trent Frazier. You could have another year out of DeMonte Williams. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, oh, well, no. <laughs> that's that's the most uh, important rule there is going on right now in, in athletics is that everybody who plays this year in everything virtually, virtually everything, can come back and have another year. This year doesn't count. Okay, well, then uh, shouldn't be too overly concerned about the recruiting and that part of it. Who is our backup quarterback today? Deuce we don't Spahn. know. <laughs> the freshman will be the backup quarterback. Unless Robinson can play. He can't play. Oh, is that official? He's not going to play. Thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I, right. I didn't know that Robinson so the was. Span, Excuse is me? Is the Span backup? Yes. Okay. He took he's backup. A, he's just a true freshman? He took, yes, he is. He took backup rips this week. Is that right? Well, that's too bad about Robinson. He gets a chance to play. He plays one series and was hurt on a, on a play where he ran the ball, and I didn't realize when he came off the field he wasn't going to be able to come back. Anything yeah, else, Alan? Either, but, uh, no, I think uh, if we can get some uh, consistency out of Taylor, I think he can do the job. Okay, appreciate the call. Thank you. 
9.50. We'll take a break and be back with more. We'll keep the phone line open if you'd like to jump in on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. <laughs> Moving up on 9.53, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today, 356-9397 is the phone number. Feel free to join us. Coming up at 10, kicking off hour number two of the show, we'll visit with Mike Grimm, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Some uh, sad news earlier this week with the uh, passing of Carol Cars at the age of 80. She was a longtime administrator at the U of I, very instrumental, a pioneer. Pioneer really. no, without question. She was a coach uh, when she first came mm-hmm. here. And In women's athletics. Her, yes, and, and she, when uh, when uh, women uh, took advantage of uh, Title IX uh, title and became... Uh, involved in varsity sports, she was at the forefront of it. She's a Hall of Famer. She passed away at the age of 80. She served 36 years at the University of Illinois, retired back in 2000. We saw her just a couple of years ago. Was it, was it that long ago? Or Yeah, I'd say two. Yeah. Two plus. Mm-hmm. Two, yeah, when she was on the Hall of Fame. Right, right. And Ernie Westfield passed away as well. Ernie Westfield was a heck of a baseball player. Uh, uh, he died Wednesday at the age of 80. He played from 59 to 65 with the Birmingham Black Barons. And I will tell you that I, I know from my own experience that he played briefly for uh, Wardell Jackson's Champagne Eagles here in town. And I remember him uh, particularly, but I can't remember the year. I have no idea what year it was, but I do remember Ernie. And as I remember, I think he played outfielder. He was a pitcher, but I think uh, he may have just come in here and and uh, played outfield for uh, for Wardell, who had a very good baseball team for a large number of years in Champaign in the Eastern Illinois League. And uh, so I remember Ernie, and uh, I've seen him over the years uh, in, in town here, and he's been, uh, you know, an outspoken guy, and, and I think it, uh, he was, uh, I think he uh, he was with an all-star team with with the, uh, when he was with the uh, the Black Barons in, in the Negro League, and I think that he also was honored at White Sox Park some years ago. I know that. I can't tell you the year, but I, I know that happened. While we're on the subject of baseball, free agency this year is going to be oh. somewhat oh. different. Of course, everything this year is somewhat different. Can't wait to get 2020 off the books, but uh, uh, there's some pretty good free agents out there, but what uh, it's a supply and demand kind of thing. What are teams oh, going to be able to pay? There was a list uh, on... I read a list yesterday of all the free agents, and there's so many names I don't even know who they are, but every team's got four or five. You know, as a matter of fact, Molina's a free agent right mm-hmm. now. Wainwright's a free agent right now for the Cardinals. And the, everybody's going to have them. And the question I have for you, Steve, is how, do you, how can you afford to pay them when you're not making money when you don't have fans? And I, I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work because here you're, you're going to have a team with uh, that's paying a player, let's say a, a guy's got a contract for ten million dollars, and now you've got a better player, but you're going to have to pay him less because you can't afford. I mean, it, it, it's going to be out of kilter. This coming year is going to be crazy. Yeah, it really is. I don't know how you manage that. Uh, how you say, well, we really want you, but we can only pay you this, and then you know maybe we can backload it to when when the fans start coming i don't know it's it's a tough call that's a, that might be one way to do it yeah. but how many years is it going to be and when you can have the fans back how many will come back right 
I mean, will you have 40,000 or are you going to have 25,000? Would you go to a game in St. Louis or Chicago or anywhere else uh, next March or well, let's say next April or May? Absolutely if you could? not. No? No, not that soon. Yeah. No. What about next July? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll have to see how things go. Right. If we got a vaccine and I would, I would almost say to you, no. What would you? Probably not. I, don't think about know. I think next season I just probably won't go to any game. I don't know. I don't think I will go to any games. It's the same I'm thing. I'm even reluctant to go to the game today. I'm going to go, but I don't know if I'll go to the next one. I mean, I just, you know, I you hear so many things around town of, of people that have the virus, and I just wonder, can I keep continuing to do the same things I do without catching it? Yeah, keep dodging it. You don't know. If you knew how to dodge it, That'd be one thing, but you, you don't really know what to, other than stay home. You don't really know how to take care of that. But uh, some interesting things on the horizon, both in baseball and college football. A bunch of uh, games are canceled today, but a couple of big games. That big game nationally tonight is number one Clemson at uh, number four Notre Dame. Of course, they're still playing without uh, Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback. Clemson is. But Clemson's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So uh, even though they don't have their quarterback. Right. Well, I guess until somebody beats them, they're going to yeah. always be a favorite. And another Here's an interesting one, Steve. Iowa is, be- and it's jumping all over the place. Iowa is a four-and-a-half to six-point favorite over Michigan State. Michigan State just beat Michigan. And now Michigan's playing Indiana, and Michigan's a favorite, but it's shaky. Three points. Yeah, that's well. narrow. So actually so it's 3.5 or, you know, who knows. It, it could move, but um, I just find the Iowa game, that's it. Iowa's 0-2, and Michigan State came off a tremendous victory, and it wasn't a fluke. The Michigan State win over Michigan was not a fluke. I mean, they, they just beat them. Maybe the fluke was their loss, uh, Michigan State's loss to Rutgers, but you turned it over seven times. Yeah, that's that right. Game. That's a good point. Yeah. And what's going on with Jim Harbaugh, you think? The Michigan well, fans I, are if, not if happy. Well, if he doesn't win today, there's going to be a lot of screaming. And, of course, there's already a lot of unhappiness up there. But the answer is that uh, his contract's running out. Yep. So, I mean, do they want to pay? They're paying him a huge amount. I, I, I Do you know what that actually is? Is it Seven and a half, I thought. Seven and a half? Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard it was, and he's even making more than that. But Might be. But anyway, that's an awful lot of money to pay a coach who – who can't beat Michigan State and can't beat Ohio State and, you know, is 2-7 and seven on uh, games on the road in the Big Ten against ranked teams. So I don't know what to say. I, uh, I thought he was the perfect fit for Michigan. I thought he was the perfect fit. And I'm, I'm evidently wrong again. <laughs> Still. Still. <laughs> We've hit 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one of the show is in the books. We'll take a brief time out and – be back at you with hour number two. Feel free to join us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody, as we head towards 11 o'clock on this edition of the show. Thanks to Kent Brown for spending 30 minutes with us off the uh, top. 
Associate Athletic Director for the U of I and to former Illini Safety, Justin Harrison, for talking with us as well. We're happy to welcome into the program longtime friend and voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Mike Grimm is in town. Good. Michael, how are you this morning? Hey, we're doing well, doing well. Um, just getting set up. Uh, we came over early. We're at the stadium. Uh, it looks beautiful. Um, I just wish, you know, we could have, uh, you know, a full stadium of fans. But obviously, uh, because of the situation, it'll just be a few of us here. And uh, and we'll be watching the football game in person. But good to be here and a uh, beautiful day for football. Well, you've uh, done some traveling here in the last uh couple of days or 10 days or so you were out east uh, at maryland last week and here today any issues with that uh so far so good knock on wood we uh we we uh are obviously traveling separate from the team traditionally um we, we will be traveling with the team but because of the COVID situation they're trying to keep those guys you know in a much of a bubbled up situation as they can so we flew commercial uh, out to Maryland. Uh, it was a Friday night game, so we flew out there Thursday, flew back on Saturday, obviously wore masks and social distance and did everything, and everything was good. Um, and then we jumped in a rental van yesterday and made the eight-hour drive from Minneapolis, uh, you know, and, and, and came down yesterday and ready for the game today. So, so far, everything uh, is good, um, and, and we hope that it uh, stays that way. Tell us about uh, this Minnesota team, 0-2, as is – Illinois, both teams not exactly lighting it up uh, defensively. Uh, Minnesota giving up 578 yards and 47 points in two games. Probably didn't see that coming, did you? No, we knew that there'd be uh, some early growing pains, I think, defensively for the Gophers. Uh, You know, they're missing out on um, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., who who right now might be the favorite to be the, you know, NFC Rookie of the Year uh, for Tampa Bay. He went in and started day one as a safety, and he's made some big plays. He had the big play last week to, uh, you know, knock down the pass in the end zone for a two-point conversion against the Giants. He's got a couple of sacks. He's got an interception. He's forced a couple of fumbles. Um, and, and so when you lose a guy like that, you know it's going to have an impact. But I, I think we all probably just – underestimated I mean we knew he was good I think we underestimated just how good he was and how much he made up for and and maybe some weaknesses in other areas and they had four guys drafted off that defense last year that they're missing and another two guys that started and and were were longtime starters you know Thomas Barber's amongst the career leaders in sacks or I'm sorry in tackles and you know he was the middle linebacker for three years and he he graduated um so you have seven new guys in there and it's a difference, um, and and on top of that, Steve, I think it's compounded by the issue that the guys that are back are good players, but they're secondary players in terms of playing in the defensive backfield. So the two starting cornerbacks and one of the starting safeties, those are basically the three guys back. And you know, let's face it, that they you know don't really have an impact much on running plays. So uh, you know, you're inexperienced at at uh, the nose guard, you're inexperienced at the linebackers, you're inexperienced at the defensive ends. And if any of those positions miss a gap, don't contain, um, you end up with big chunk plays, and, and that's exactly what has happened in Minnesota. So I, I, I thought we'd see some growing pains, but quite honestly, I thought it would not be quite quite like this. I mean, that 675 yards they gave it to Maryland, who the week before put up 207 against Northwestern. So either Northwestern is the reincarnation of the 1985 Bears, or this Gopher defense has a, a little bit of improvement to make. <laughs> hey, Mike, this is Lauren. Uh, yeah. do you, what's the status of your any absentees that you might have, either because of virus or injury? 
Yeah, I think it's been it's been hit and miss, and I think that's one of the issues as well. Um, they missed a bunch of guys in in the uh, I guess what you'd call the training camp portion uh, of of the schedule. They they had some positives back then, and so some of these young guys on defense missed some time there. So that not only are they inexperienced, they really didn't have a lot of traction heading into the season. So they're kind of really learning on the fly. Uh, in regard to um, in games, they have mostly missed their specialists, their kicker and their punter. Uh, this virus went through the special teamers, hmm. and so um, you know, and that was an issue. Of course, they missed the extra point last week against Maryland, which is hard. It, it seems like it was two months ago already. I mean, it's it's amazing how I don't know how you look at it whether time flies or time's going as slow as possible. But it, it, it seems like it was a long time ago. But it was just last Friday. Um, they missed the extra point kick, you know, the, the starting kickers out. Um, their punter was out, and so they had some struggles in the punting game against Michigan, which really led directly to, to some points for them. So um, that, for the most part, is, is where they've been hit. Um, and, and other than that, I think they've had a tight end that's missed a game uh, with injury, and I think that's the case today. But they, they're really deep at tight end, so it's really a non-factor, quite honestly. But um, I think a lot of it was uh, was uh, in uh, in that portion of the season. I guess you'd call it the training camp portion. They had a bunch of guys missing time, and so they're really kind of learning on the fly at this point. Uh, did uh, Fleck have any thought about going for two in that forty-five forty-four game? You know, uh, Lovey announced last week that uh, when we were trailing thirty-one twenty-four, if we had scored on that last drive. He was going to go for two. I just wonder, and we've seen that a little, a few times at Indiana, for example. What do you hear? Would he have done that? What do you yeah, thought? Well, did he think about in, it? Yeah, we asked him in the post game show, and he said no. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, look, I've coached zero games, so I really, you know, don't have a leg to stand on, so to speak. But I would have one hundred percent gone for two, and that's not a second guess. I, I, I was thinking in my mind that, you know, there's no way you don't go for two. You've given up 675 yards. Uh, it's a Friday night game on the East Coast. You have to fly back tonight. Let's end this one way or the other right here. <laughs> um, but he he said no. Um, he felt like um, that uh, they, they were comfortable going into another overtime. And, um, I you know, he, he I, he's I, I like him a lot. He's, he's one of my favorites, so I'm going to butter him up a little bit. But I, I disagree personally with that. I thought – I really thought that uh, I would have gone for two there. Um, and, and quite honestly, just the, the, the percentages and the, and the analytics would suggest that the play on the road there uh, would be to go for two as well. When you're going second in that overtime, the play would be to go for two. But I think he felt that he had confidence in, in his team. And so um, I would have looked at it the other way and said, I have confidence that my team can make a two-point conversion and gain two yards and get a win here. But but he didn't. And, um, and that was a reserve kicker that missed it? It was, yeah, and and now that said, um, quite honestly, there's not a lot of difference between the two kickers, so it really isn't, you know, that wasn't a factor. He had been, he he had been perfect on extra points um, in his career, a limited amount, um, and at one point last year had beaten out the other guy. So it's really one A and one B, and one okay. B missed the kick. Um, but I, you know, again, I I probably would have not sent. You know, if I had gone Stenerud, I still would have gone for two, I think, at that point, just to get the game over with, you know. Well, especially in the game where nobody was stopping anybody. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I agree, you know. And and like I said, just percentages and analytics, I mean, it's easy easy for me to sit here and say, well, here's what I would have done. But, um, I, I, you know, statistics say that the team that goes second in the overtime wins at 56% of the time. 
Um, and so if you, and they're going second in the first overtime, so you're supposed to win that 56% of the time. Well, now if you kick the extra point, um, you're basically now saying, okay, we're going to go into the second overtime. Maryland gets the ball second. They're supposed to win 56% of the time. So just on a percentage play, you're, you're probably at best even, um, uh, you know, because, you know, making a two point conversion is about a 50, little less than 50, 50. So at that point, you know, make one play and win the game and, and, um, and, and get home, you know, but, um, like I said, easy for me to say, uh, I, you know, I, I would have gone for two. I don't, uh, you know, the, the bigger issue was probably the 675 yards they gave up and they got to fix that. That's for sure. Um, and, and Lauren, I should follow up the one other big uh, COVID situation is the defensive coordinator for Minnesota, uh, Joe Rossi, uh, mm-hmm. did test positive. He, he's not on the trip. And so the um, the secondary, the defensive backs coach Joe Harris Simiak will be calling defensive plays today here at the Memorial Stadium. So so that 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 is a factor today. Talking to Mike Grimm, the voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, University of Minnesota has kind of a unique situation, more so on anybody else in the Big Ten, being really right in the middle of a major league city, and uh, with all the major sports in Minneapolis. How does the university fit in? Um, on the the interest level of the fans there well it, it, it's always a fight um you know to to uh, get attention i will say this that um and i don't mean this as a knock on, on minnesota sports fans it, i think it just shows as you said there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, options there but when the gophers are good um people will be really quick to jump on the bandwagon i mean they'll you know they'll sell out games they'll sell out stadiums um, you know, I would say over the course of the last, you know, 20 years, the hottest ticket has probably been when Gopher basketball gets it going and people want to go watch them at Williams Arena. Um, unfortunately, they haven't gotten going as much as, you know, fans would have liked. And because there are other options, it's easy to jump off the bandwagon quick, you know. But I will say this, the, the city uh, and the state uh, supports the team. And I, I don't think it's unique to say, well, they're, they get more support when they're winning, right? But I do think that plays even a bigger factor um, where, say, at a Nebraska, um, you know, they're going to be with you thick or thin. At Iowa, they're probably going to be with you thick or thin. There's not much uh, else uh, from a, from a you know, a recreational sports standpoint that you're going to, you know, direct your attention to. But if the Gophers all of a sudden fall off the, the map and they're not very good, um, fans can easily say, well, I'm going to, you know, pay attention to the Vikings or I'm going to pay attention to the Minnesota Wild or the Timberwolves or Twins or you know, whatever, go to a play. I don't know, but it. Uh, so, so I do think they fight that, and, I, and certainly attendance suffers at times because, you know, everybody's fighting for that sports entertainment dollar. So, um, it, it it can be a struggle. But when they were like last year, it was, um, it was pretty remarkable when the Gophers went 11 and two. The the how quickly the bandwagon filled up and sellouts and people were, you know, they were, you know, the 10 o'clock news. Uh, was no longer starting with the Vikings. They were starting with the Gophers on their sports cast. And, and so that that's how it can flip. Um, and, you know, you hope that that they can, uh, you know, from a Gopher standpoint, uh, get this season flipped around so they can get, um, you know, back into that conversation of being story one, you know. You mentioned uh, P.J. Fleck now in his fourth year. Um, how, how has he evolved? And take me back to what your thoughts during that job search when P.J. Fleck was selected as the coach and then how he's evolved thus far? Yes, well, I think, you know, at the time it was, you know, uh, a really good hire. I mean, P.J. Fleck's name was bounced around for just about every major coaching job. He was coming off of that great season at Western Michigan where he had built up from year one winning one game and then eight wins, eight wins, and then 12-0 and and off to the Cotton Bowl, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl. 
And so his name had been, you know, mentioned, I think, in the Purdue search. I think it had been mentioned in the Oregon search. I'm trying to think of some of the other jobs that were open at that time. Um, and um, he did not take any of those jobs. And then if you remember, uh, Minnesota was playing in the Holiday Bowl that year, and Tracy Clays was the coach, and then they had some controversial stuff happen in, in that month leading into that bowl game, and uh, things kind of went sideways. And so after the bowl game, uh, in late December, uh, Tracy Clays was, was, was let go after he won the bowl game. And then um, that opened the search. And P.J. Fleck, again, earlier, you know, in November when the regular season ended, had turned down a bunch of jobs. And he, remember, was wanting to coach that team in the Cotton Bowl. So that was done. And so it kind of freed. It kind of, you know, it, 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 you know the, the two roads met. Uh, and I thought it was a great hire. Um, still think it's a great hire. He's recruited at a much higher level than anyone has before at Minnesota. And we're about to find out how, how well those recruiting rankings are because there's a lot of his recruits now that are, that are taking, a, quite frankly, taking a few lumps here in this early part of the season on defense. And we'll see how quickly they grow, how quickly they improve, uh, you know, and where, where it goes from here. But um, there is momentum. Um, you know, fans are still excited. And, you know, look, he, he, he even itself admits that, you know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, and I, I think that there were a lot of skeptics, uh, certainly in Minnesota. It's a skeptical town when you got pro sports and two newspapers and multiple, you know, radio shows that uh, that love to be cynical. Um, it, it, you know, his his uh, style certainly had some cynics and still does. Let's face it. But I think you know he has he's flipped uh, most of the people to say, yeah, I think what this guy is uh, doing is is pretty good. And then and then he, he really does have a great impact uh, in the community. He. He is, um, you know, he, he makes sure his team is doing, you know, hospital visits and they go to elementary schools and read to kids and, uh, you know, they go and draw posters and, you know, uh, spend Christmas Eve at the, at the hospital with, the, with cancer patients. I mean, it, you know, he really does have a community uh, impact uh, aspect to his program. It's, it's, it's for sure there's some substance there. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just a sizzle. There's some, there's some steak along with it. Another couple of minutes with Mike Grimm. Let's go out to Portland, Oregon, where Eric is listening. Go ahead, Eric. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Well, thanks for um, being on the show this morning, Mike. I um, am a born in Urbana, CU native, lifelong Illini. But I did stray a little bit, went to medical school at the U there in Minneapolis. And during that time, I really gained appreciation for Sid, Sid Hartman, your writer. Yeah. And uh, I... um, I've always loved that Sid kept doing it because I'm a huge fan of Lauren Tate there, and I always felt like Lauren couldn't retire because Sid was so much older than him and still doing it. But Sid <laughs> unfortunately passed away, did that great yeah. column, I believe, the day he died. But I wonder if you could uh, entertain us with a Sid story or two. He was uh, quite an icon <laughs> there. Thank you. Yeah, Sid. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, Sid was uh, Sid was uh, an interesting guy, no doubt about it. It's been, uh, you know, he's a he was a hundred years old when he, and he and he filed a column uh, on the on the day that, that he passed away. So that tells you uh, that he worked right until the end. And he had a unique aspect about him. He he was I would say he was and this is I'm not this is this is not a knock at all because he worked he was relentless in his pursuit like he had no shame in trying to get a story he would call and call and call and call and call and call somebody else and um have one of his assistants call somebody else and he just he just fed off the idea that he wanted a story and sometimes it wasn't even that big of a story 
but the chase was what he liked. And so he would push and push and push. And so sometimes he'd push to the point where, you know, you could consider that you'd say, man, that guy's kind of a jerk. Um, and, and that's fine, right? He didn't care because he was, he was pursuing, uh, the story. And then, um, uh, and, and it's been real fun because he had to look, look, when a, when a guy lives to be a hundred and doing what he wants to do and, and has lived the life that Sid's lived. I mean, there's a guy that, uh, you know, at one point he was the general manager of the Minneapolis Lakers and won an NBA championship while he was a sports columnist. Figure that out in the fifties. Right. So, I mean, what, what a life he lived. So it, it's, it's sad that, that we've lost him, but it's been really fun to hear so many Sid stories. And, and we can, Lauren probably has a few too. We could tell Sid stories until, um, you know, another hundred years. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorites was my first year in Minnesota was 2006, uh, full time with the network. At that time, I was doing pregame and postgame shows for the football team and play by play for the basketball team. And so Glenn Mason was the coach and I was co-hosting his show and we're sitting around, um, uh, the media, uh, every Tuesday he had a media luncheon for the, for the reporters. And so, um, I was the new guy, so no one wanted to sit with me and Sid would always show up late. So he'd have to sit next to me and there'd be a table of eight and one empty seat was me. So Sid would sit next to me. So for four or five weeks, he sits next to me. Um, the, one of our broadcast, uh, uh, partners, a guy named Dave Mona would introduce me to Sid every week. Hey, this <laughs> is Mike Grimm. He's the new guy. And on about, on about week, on about week five, uh, he said, um, he asked my co-host, uh, Hey, how'd the Mason show go last night? We did the Glenn Mason show on Mondays. He said, yeah, it was fine. And then, uh, Mike, uh, our co-host looked over across the table and he said, well, what'd you think? I said, yeah, it was fine. It's a coach's show. You know, it's a coach's show. What are you going to do? And Sid turns and he looks at me and he says, are you, um, are you with Learfield? And I said, yeah, I'm with Learfield. And, you know, again, he had been introduced to me five times. Uh, and so he says, oh, good. He goes, I need to, I need to talk to somebody from Learfield. And there was when Learfield got the contract that Sid did the pregame interview with the head coach. And there was some discussion as to whether Sid should, should continue to do that or whether a Learfield guy should do that. I didn't care. I'm like, hey, it's one less thing I have to worry about. So, yeah, let's let Sid do it. But somehow Sid got in his mind that, that, um, that I, somehow I wanted to do the interview with Glenn Mason, which I honestly didn't care either way. So he goes on this long rant about how Learfield's trying to force him out. And he's like, let me tell you, the only reason Glenn Mason does that interview is because I do it. Glenn Mason wouldn't do it if nobody else would do it. They wouldn't even sell a sponsor. And then he looks at me and he says, besides, who would they get to do it that anyone would care about? This new blankety-blank grim kid? <laughs> He was a and grouchy said, well, old guy. I tell you what, I I ran into him <laughs> yeah. a lot, and he was always grouchy. Yeah, well, I, so I said, "Well, I'm I'm grim." He goes, "You're grim." I said, "I'm grim." He goes, "Oh, well, no offense." I'm like, "No offense taken." So it was. I said, "Sid, I'll tell that story forever." I've been introduced to you for six weeks, and it was great. But uh, yeah, he he continued to do those interviews for us. That's for sure. Oh well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Eric? Yeah, for sure. for sure. Yeah, thanks for the call. We appreciate you listening out in Portland. Let's talk basketball real quick. Mike Grimm, uh, the Gophers, how are things shaping up? We're about three weeks away from what we hope is the start of the season. Yeah, crazy because, you know, there's the Big Ten, and I know they just released hockey this week, the schedule, um, and we'll see what they do for basketball. And they only released hockey up through the end of December. I think they, they want to get to that point and see. And I don't know what the plan for basketball is. You guys may have heard. I, I don't know. Um, but they, I know the Gophers have, I think it's six non-conference games scheduled in November and December. Um, 
And it's going to be interesting, especially, don't you agree, guys, with this contact tracing and how it's, uh, you know, if, if it's implemented the same way as football, where, you know, in football where you got 100 players, it's one thing, but you got, you know, 12 guys on a basketball team and one guy gets it and contact tracing knocks a guy out for 10 days, you know, that, that might take out your team. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see if the rules stay in place the way they are, um, you know, how this season's going to go. I think we're just going to see a lot of, um, you know, I think we could see a lot of postponements and uh, schedule flips, and we'll see how it all goes. And I, I think you got to try it. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I think we also all have to be prepared that it, it probably is not going to go uh, uh, all that smoothly from a, from a scheduling standpoint. What's, uh, what's it look like uh, as far as the team is concerned? It looks like we're going to have a lot of new players this year, and I think that's true of Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah, second straight year with a lot of new faces. Um, they have uh, a grad transfer from Western Michigan who averaged, kid from Chicago who averaged uh, 16 and, and 9 for them last year. So he's going to probably be an immediate starter for Minnesota. Um, and then they got a kid from Drake who who um, is from the Quad Cities area, whose uncle is an assistant coach for Minnesota, Ed Conroy. And it, it's a pretty interesting story. He was a, He's a 6'11 kid. Um, who was a little overweight as a high schooler. He was about 6'8", um, didn't have many offers, went to a prep school, and the prep school coach said, here, we got to get you in shape. So he lost a bunch of weight, uh, lifted a bunch of weights, grew three inches, and Drake offered him a scholarship. And now he's basically played at an all-Missouri Valley Conference level for a year and a half, a kid named Leon Robbins, and um, decided, look, I, I think I can, you know, I, I want to test if I can play in the Big Ten. And there are NBA scouts that like him. He's got a big build. He's strong. His body has just been totally transformed. Shot blocker. Um, he can extend out to three. So we'll see. He'll clearly be the center to try to replace Daniel Oturu. You know, who, what kind of an impact will he have? Mm-hmm. Um, we shall see. Uh, if you remember back, I would, I would compare this a little bit. Uh, if you remember a kid from Minnesota named Reggie Lynch played at Illinois State and then um, transferred back to Minnesota, back to his home state, and had an impact. He was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and and uh, that was one of – well, it was Patino's best season. I'm trying to remember he won Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think that was maybe 2016 or 17. I'm, I, I get my years confused. But they made the tournament, and Lynch was really good. And, um, and so they're hoping to get a similar spike there. And then they got, you know, Marcus Carr, who was all Big Ten last year back as the point guard. Gabe Kelsher, a really good shooter at the off guard. And, um, you know, a pretty good recruiting class, including Jamal Mashburn's son, um, who um, Patino was really excited about. And obviously the Patino connection there with Jamal Mashburn Sr. playing for Patino Sr. out at, uh, at Kentucky years ago. So um, there's a little bit of a, of a tie-in with that. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think obviously they're not picked to finish high, and I do think there's a potential that the, that the Gophers could surprise, assuming that uh, you know everybody's healthy and everybody can uh, get a schedule. And I'm talking about everybody in the in the league can get a schedule. In. Back to today's football game. What do you expect to see um, from Minnesota? They're pretty balanced on their uh, offensive side of the ball, averaging uh, just under 200 yards passing and rushing. What do you uh, expect them to come out and do in this game? Yeah, much the same. They are they, that offense certainly has not been an issue. They, they that's where all the experience returns. Um, you know, they had the Big Ten receiver of the year and Rashad Bateman, uh, second team All Big Ten quarterback, and Tanner Morgan from a year ago back. Muhammad Ibrahim, you know, had 207 yards last week against Maryland. Um, they probably have been a little run heavy, but even last week, you know, they Ibrahim had 42 carries, which is too many probably, or 41 carries, I think it was. Um, but they were 
you know, they got down early to Maryland, and people forget they Minnesota scored 31 straight points, you know, basically handing the ball off. Um, and, and they were up 17 to start the fourth quarter, you know, in that game, and the defense just couldn't stop anybody. And uh, Maryland scored and scored and sent it to overtime and, you know, won it in overtime. But, you know, the offense is certainly not the issue. Like I said, they scored 31 straight and really didn't throw. They only threw, I think, 12 times in regulation last week. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, we'll see what happens and what they want to do today. I mean, on paper, um, you know, obviously if you just look at the stats, and you guys would know more than I, but when you look at the stats, I think uh, the opposing teams have thrown like 49 for 56 against against Illinois. So, right. Minnesota loves to run, but do you try to say, look, we, we want to throw the ball today because, you know, uh, up to this point, um, you know, it, 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 Illinois has had a little bit of a, of a struggle trying to, to stop the pass. And, and on the same token, if you're Minnesota, you ran for 333 yards against Illinois last year. And I know it's a different team, both sides of the ball, but um, we'll see. You know, and, and look, it, I've learned this. It's a week-to-week proposition. One week, uh, really, and, and frankly, one obviously one year from another, Really, you know, it's each week is a standalone situation, particularly in today's day and age with the, with all this uh, stuff going on uh, with the with the virus going around. So it's hard. It's hard for coaches to figure out what they want to do, you know. And I'm, I, I promise you, we'll see stuff today that we had no idea we were going to see. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, that's just the way it's going to go. Michael, glad to have you in town. Look forward to seeing you here shortly over at uh, Memorial Stadium. Thank you for your time. Yeah, you got it. Enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Mike Grimm, the play-by-play man for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. As we approach the bottom of the hour, the rest of the way, we will have an open line, 356-9397. We'll talk some Illinois basketball. Here's some comments from Adam Miller and Andre Corbello as well, the two highly touted freshman guards for Brad Underwood. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 1033, Lanai Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Don't normally talk politics on the show, but the Associated Press and CBS, among others, have called the race. So I guess that officially puts the end to Tuesday, right? (laughs) (laughs) The longest day ever. From Tuesday to Saturday, yeah. Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. Our phone number is 356-9397 if you would like to join us here on the show in the last 25 minutes or so. We're back with you on our pregame coverage beginning this afternoon at 12.30 ahead of the 2.40 kickoff time for Illinois and Minnesota. We'll talk about uh, that ball game. What do you think? You got a, you got a feeling on that? Illinois is a seven-point underdog going in. Yeah, I, I don't have a good feeling, but uh, I just am still in shock over the performance against Wisconsin. And then the comeback against uh well, first of all, Illinois was so shorthanded last week that, I mean, you got to take that into consideration. We have a dozen players out. You lose your center. You have to move your best guard over to, to center. You have uh, some linebackers that, that are out. You have uh, Randolph, who looked so good in that first game, is out. But most of all, Peters was out. And I don't know if Peters would have another game as and play as poorly as he did against, you know, in the opener. But uh, he certainly wasn't very sharp at Wisconsin. But he's still the guy that you have to have leading your team, I think, after last year. And I think he would probably bounce back from that. But this week, uh, I don't know if if, uh, Taylor will have the consistency that uh, Illinois needs at quarterback. There's a big – I think there's a big advantage 
that Minnesota has today at running back with Ibrahim, clearly, and with uh, Tanner uh, Morgan at, at quarterback. I think that's a big advantage. So, and and they they probably got as good a receiver as, as Illinois has, and and I think uh, Bebe is awful good, but I, I think probably Bateman's better. So, you know, there's disadvantage at those key positions. As I mentioned to Mike Grimm, uh, Minnesota – Rushes for almost 200 yards a game and passes for 193. They've been much more balanced, but as he pointed out, uh, that has not been the problem for them. It's, it's been stopping people, and the same problem for Illinois with uh, the receivers just running wide open in the secondary. You know, there's something kind of interesting to me. Uh, Illinois has got a lot of seniors back. We know because a lot of these guys played as freshmen. The whole, the, most of the offensive line are, are uh, built around seniors. And and yet, if you look at this team, and taking the the the, the transfers have are really have been more impactful than almost anywhere else. And with the two Bebe's and and Ford in, in, in at the receiver positions, you got Peters I mentioned, and you got Eifert linebacker, Navarro's a receiver. You got Perry, who's playing the best of any of the defensive linemen, I think. Chase Brown's probably going to be the number one. Running back. These are all transfers. All the guys I just mentioned, and it's. It, I think that the tra- they're they're getting good play out of the transfers. What they're not getting is good enough play out of all the other positions that that uh, Illinois uh, was depending on. Uh, you know, and d- uh, develop players who have been here three and four years. I think it's fair to say that. Karan Taylor last week kind of uh, thrown into the mix without yeah. uh, without getting many, if any, reps during the week. Now he got most of the reps as the uh, starter today, and he might fit what what Rod Smith wants in his particular type of system as good as anybody on the roster. Certainly worked with Bush two years ago. Yeah. Um, certainly a, a lot better offensively, as we know. And uh, I think if you have a if you have a running quarterback, it's almost like having 12 players on offense because if you have a quarterback who takes the snap and then hands it off to somebody, what good is he? What good is that quarterback if all he – in other words, you might as well just uh, snap it directly to the running back and let him run if that's what it is, if it's a running play. So uh, I I understand the advantage of of faking and all that, but if the quarterback never runs, you know, it's like you're a player short back there when it comes to the running game. And I think that, the, that, that what we see, even w- what we saw with Peters and what we saw uh, somewhat uh, with Taylor, is that when the quarterback uh, when, uh, sends the, the halfback one way and he goes the other way, there's, there's, there's fewer tacklers. Right. Phone line open, 356-9397. It is 64 degrees, heading toward 74 here in central Illinois. Let's see how it is down in Pinehurst, North Carolina, with Marty on the line. What do you say, Marty? Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Well, it's a Chamber of Commerce Day day. It's going to be 79 to 80 for high, sunny. Kind of a good golfing day, you know, Steve, if you wanted to shoot down here real quick. Every day is a good golfing day in my mind. What are you thinking about today? Um, Two things. Uh, One, on the football side, I hope Rod Smith, I know he's got a good offensive mind, and by the way, for a fourth-string quarterback, Taylor did as well in a Big Ten game as I've ever seen a fourth-string quarterback do. Um, I'd like to see him run a, a tight end 
uh, offense with two H-backs that are also tight ends every once in a while and put all three of those tight ends in there, especially with a young quarterback. Short passes would be nice. Should help the running game with blocking. Allows him to do some things. I hope he thinks of doing something like that since he's he's got some nice tight ends and we don't use them often enough. That's an observation. Now question for Lauren and Steve. Um, we've got Frankie Lindor available. We've got George Springer available, and a guy that I think would be better and cheaper in uh, uh, Jock Peterson, a left-handed bat with power that kills right-handed pitching and a decent outfielder. What do the Cardinals do to get more bats, and which which two young pitchers, one decent one and one that maybe is an A-ball pitcher, they give up to get a bat? Well, I don't know, but I don't know how they're going to afford to pay anybody this year, and they've got Molina and Wainwright right now. What are they going to do with them? You gonna let them go? Well, no. Or I already let Wong if you, go. If you look at well, Wong could still come back. But That's right, but he, for less money, yeah. right? Wayne, Wainwright signed a very club-friendly deal, and I think Yachty could do the same thing, uh, where it's more incentive-laden and less uh, guaranteed money, more incentive-laden. And Wainwright did okay with it because he pitched well. Um, I would, I think, Lauren, that they can't sign free agents money-wise. That's why Springer would be a nice fit, but it costs too much. I think they trade and use some of the young pitching they have to bring in a bat or two. Um, and I'm intrigued with Lindor. Because, I don't know if they could sign him long-term the year after this, but see, there's four great shortstops, Lindor, Baez, uh, Correa, and... Uh, the shortstop from the Dodgers are all free agents after this year. They're all in one-year deals. So there's a there's going to be a glut of great shortstops next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm trying to figure out how we get bats with trades. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I just want to know what you guys were thinking. I don't have any feel for it at all because I don't know what they can afford. I mean, I don't know the finance. If you're going to lose thirty, forty, fifty million dollars in a year, I don't know how you sign. Uh, you know, and it may be a lot more than that that they're going to lose. I mean, they're losing 40,000 people a day for every game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. So, I mean, it's just too many million dollars for me to even be able to comprehend it. I well, don't that's know. Why I think it's, that's why I think it's got to be trades. Well, and that's what I'm trying to figure out is who's out there that's available for trade. Who needs pitching because we have some. And uh, that's the only way I see them getting their uh, – their team better offensively. And then the last question I've got is, did you guys know that Tyler O'Neill was going to be a gold glove winner? No. And I'm, <laughs> I'm still not sure he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can run fast. Lessen the, did that lessen the valuation of what you think of the gold glove? Well, he's not as good as Bader, is he? No, and I was surprised when, no. when his name was even mentioned there, and let alone winning it. It's those new UZR uh, ratings and defensive ratings, Steve, that you're just, you've got to get on top of those. Well, I don't know that I have to, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that I will. <laughs> i got enough other no, stuff I'm to think about. <laughs> now, Lauren, maybe that's Lauren's bailiwick because he stays on top of everything. No, no. I can't explain <laughs> that. I can't either, and it, it blew my mind. Anyway. Uh, it's great listening to you guys, and I just called in because it seemed like you needed someone to call in because no one was picking you up your, your last half hour here. So <laughs> I hope someone else calls in and gets to you. We'll, okay? we'll take care of it. Thanks, Marty. Good to hear from you. All right. Bye-bye. 1042. Well, here's, here's the question. Here's the strangest question of all time. 
did Renteria get fired by the White Sox? Yes. And he's a candidate for coach, manager of the year. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the three leading candidates, by the way. Kevin Cash is going to get it, don't you think, from Tampa Bay? I think he'll get it. But Renteria is one of the three. And the National League, um, is there a chance for David Ross? He's one of the three uh, in the National League, along with Mattingly of uh, Miami and Tingler from San Diego. I think Mattingly will probably get that one. But Ross is a consideration. Sure. The Cubs, after all, were 34-26. and 26. And I think these decisions are made before the playoffs. So that makes a difference. I mean, your record, what you do in the playoffs don't, don't really affect how, how the vote goes for the manager of the year. Right. Those will be coming out maybe this week. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. 10.43 on the Live Eye Pillow Saturday Sports Talk. And if you've been thinking about replacing the doors in your home, you probably already know that perhaps the two most important doors are the entry door and the patio door. Well, a trip to the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign will help clear up what can be an overwhelming situation. Mike Mary and uh, the team from Illini Pella have been fixtures in this community for going on 50 years. And if you've looked into this at all, you know there are many choices in windows and doors. Well, the Pella Window Store has eight patio doors on display in their showroom. They'll not only help you find what's best for you, they'll stand behind them with a limited lifetime warranty. Illini Pella offers one-stop shopping. You'll see the products and talk about installation, financing as well, if you need to do that. Window and door shopping is not something you do every day, so you want to make sure you get it right when you have to do it. Do your research, set the budget, then work with the pros at the Pella Window Store. Then you can show off your new windows and doors to family and friends when you have them over again at some point in the future. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. We'll take a time out and be back. We'll talk some Illinois basketball after this on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 1047, phone line open for one more segment, 356-9397 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We mentioned to you earlier in the show that uh, Kofi Coburn was named yesterday to the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list. So that's two Illinois players on the prime watch list for their respective players, as Io DeSumo earlier in the week named to the Kuzi watch list, 20 players that are on that. And uh, that list can fluctuate throughout the season. A guy can play his way on or Plays way, way off, off huh? <laughs> from uh, those lists, but that's good uh, preseason recognition. Yeah, that, I think the key thing is just keeping him healthy because as long as he's healthy, he's, he's a force in there. And Illinois has two of the most highly touted freshman guards in the country. Now we realize they've not played a game yet, but we had a chance uh, on uh, what day was it, Thursday, to uh, visit a little bit uh, with Adam Miller and Andre Corbello, the two freshmen, they've not been made right. available to uh, to the media, although we did have Corbello on back in the summer um, before he got to town, and uh, we were very impressed with him at the time. We're going to let you hear some comments from those two guys. This is Adam Miller talking about how practice sessions have been going with uh, all the newcomers and the experienced guys that Brad Underwood has this year. Oh, it's been good, you know, just trying to find, like, my ways of scoring in the system, 
playing the defense, learning the defense, and now I feel like it's all coming together. Like today was a big day for me. I felt really good today. I had a really good day yesterday. Just combining good days back to back to back is, is the biggest piece for me, you know. Getting in the system, learning it, and just being Adam Miller in the system is the best thing for me. You know, I think I'm learning that. Uh, playing with Io, you know, I played with him before. Uh, he does everything they say he does. Like him, he, he lives up to the hype too. I mean, everybody here works hard. If you're not gonna work hard, coach is gonna bring that out of you. You know, he's not he's not gonna kill you, but it's all love at the same time. So he's gonna tell you what to do. He's gonna put you out in the front. And he's gonna see if you're gonna work for it. And coach challenges us every day. You know, guarding Trent is hard. He's a senior. He knows everything to do. So I, I guard him every day. I guard him and those every day to try to learn like what pro guards are doing. And I'm getting better. I'm getting used to it, and I'm finding my way. That's Adam Miller, and he knows certainly about playing against Iowa DeSumo. He yep. played with him. Let's go uh, to the phones. We have the line open. Howard in Champaign, you're on with us. Go ahead, Howard. Uh, Lauren, don't get me wrong with this statement. Now, I love our basketball team. I'm, this is not, I'm not trying to throw a web blanket on anything, but what happened to Bryce Hopkins? Well, he went to Kentucky. I mean, do you think Illinois is going to be able to out-recruit Kentucky ever for anybody? Calipari probably offered him a new Escalade. No, that would be pretty hard to top that. I don't know anything about what he offered, but, I mean, the the thing that that they're doing at Kentucky is they're preparing players. They don't want want anybody down there that wants to be there four years. He's made that statement himself. He yeah. wants players who want to go to the NBA, and, and they've got a system that's working for them in terms of getting recruits. Now, it isn't winning championships because the guys usually leave just as they're getting a, at a level that would win them championships. It's hard to win with freshmen, but Bryce Hopkins is, is, un, is not unlike anybody else who's that good. They all wind up at Kentucky or Duke or Kansas. I just happen to think that recruiting guru from Chicago a couple of weeks ago thought he was in the bag for us. Well, I, you know, you know, when you get when Illinois gets one player in the next twenty years that wants to go to Kentucky, that that's involved with Kentucky, if they get one, you call me and, and remind me because I, there's never been one that I know of. I know it's few and far between. Well, yeah, it's it's a long way between. I mean, they just. They have so much more. And, and just think about this NIL coming up, with name, image, and likeness thing coming up. How much more would they be able to offer with the number of people that follow and have invested in Kentucky basketball? How many more advantages do you have down there than you have here? It's just back to life. That's true. Uh, one, one final question. Our, our player from Belgium, what's his name? You mean... Benjamin. Benjamin Bozeman's Verdunk. yeah. Is he still on the squad? Yeah, but he's hurt. He has been he's hurt. Had that ankle injury? I don't. Th- I don't know that it's an ankle. It's but a I, foot. But in in any case, he's way behind. That's all I can tell you, and that's a shame. So we probably won't see him this year. Well, you're not going to see him initially, but he might be back later. I don't know. He missed all last year. How long can you go without playing? I don't know. Right now, they're talking about. Uh, DeMonte Williams may be the four. He might be actually – he's contending for the four position because I, even though uh, Georgie's going to play some four, he's basically backing up Kofi at center this year. And DeMonte played the four last year yeah, quite a bit of times. I like a small lineup. I, I really do. I mean, he's strong and tough, and he plays good defense. All he, if, he can, if he can just hit the open th- jumper. 
That's all he has to do. Just DeMonte when that so when that tough. open jumper comes and knock it down. Yeah, Demonte's so tough you can't beat him one on one. Yeah. Hey Howard, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right. all right, thank you. Let's go to Tom in Urbana. Hey Tom, good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, I think Lauren just made a mistake. Wasn't Richard Keene offered a position at Kentucky before he picked Illinois in basketball? No, it was Duke. Yeah, it was definitely Duke. It wasn't Kentucky. Yep. Yeah, he was offered at Duke, yes. Oh, Duke? Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yep. You know, about Biden winning the presidency, it's okay if the Republicans uh, keep control of the Congress. That's what they think. That's what they feel, yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. 1053, we heard from Adam Miller. Let's hear a little bit from Andre Corbello on practices as the season gets closer. It's been really hard. You know, I'm literally exhausted after every practice, just having to guard pros. You know, Io's a pro, Trent's going to be a pro, all those guys are pros. So, and that's what it's going to be like in, when we go out every night and, and face our opponents. I think we're pretty much, you know, having everyone, pretty much everybody's going to be back in, in, in our opponent's team. So, um, I think it's always good. It's a good test, you know, to go Io or, or Trent or, you know, or Adam or DeMonte, wherever it is. Um, I think it's a great challenge. Um, and I'm, you know, like I said, I'm going to continue to work as hard as I can. Um, to be as ready as possible. I think I'm doing pretty good. Obviously, um, I, I'm a freshman, so I'm trying to learn um, big things. You know, I'm, I'm a very, you know, as a point guard, I got to be very um, observative. So I got to be able to see and like big things, like little things, like when they drive, maybe just like an elbow so that they can um, get back to me. Um, just little things like when I face older guys, like, you know, on, on the opposite teams, I'm going to be able to do it. So during practice, it's been great. Um, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Just got to continue to work hard um, and keep learning and, and keep listening. That's Andre Curbelo. You know, it's very seldom that Illinois gets two players like this who are the very, very best in the country at their specialty. His specialty is passing. Miller's uh, specialty is a left-handed jump shot that's just deadly. Now, can he carry over that shooting as a freshman, the basket's still the same height. The distance from the free throw line is still the same. The distance from the three-point line, look, freshmen never shoot as well as you want them to, but this I got a hunch this guy will. Yeah, normally we get a chance to see you uh, practice by this time, and we haven't had a, the opportunity this year with everything going on. So we can only tell you what uh, we get by talking to different people who do, and occasionally we'll see some video snippets from practice, but uh, I'm really anxious to to have the November 25th come and, and see the guys on TV. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I want to see if, I think the, the the great part about this is that Corbello and Miller are going to be here for a while. I mean, right. supposedly, uh, you know, I assume that uh, anything can happen. It's a crazy world, but uh, I think those two are going to be among the top. I think we're going to, uh, we're going to have a four, probably a four guard uh unit there uh, that'll switch around and I think that Trent Frazier will be in there with Miller I think initially and I think that uh, Curbelo will be com coming off the bench but I don't think you're going to keep him on the bench very long if, if he doesn't start the season I think he's going to be in there an awful lot and we don't have a basketball schedule yet we do think that Illinois will play Baylor 
We think it will be on December the 2nd Yeah. over in Indianapolis. And we got the Duke game. We got the Duke game, which we think will be on December the 8th. Yeah. So that's a back-to-back pair of games there. The main, I think we got three games coming up November 25th and 26th and 27th. Yeah, I mean, Wright that, State. Yeah, that, I think. Ohio that, and North Carolina A&T, I think. Yeah. Are the teams that are said to be lined up for that in the MTE event, multiple team the, the, event? The, the trick right now is how to, and I think it's very, you can have two point guards, but you're going to have, Iowa's going to want to play at some point. Sure. But I think that what you're going to have is just three guards that, that can all play the point and, and they'll rotate in and out of there. And I think that Io in the half court will be uh, valuable both ways, obviously. But I know he wants to get – I know he wants to develop his playmaking and passing, and which is uh, was something he needs to do along with his shooting. One final break, some final words after this. Stay with us. Yeah, we've got about a minute left here on the program. This edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. We'll be heading to Memorial Stadium. 2.40 is the kick, con- kick time. It could actually slide until 2.45, but uh, – what do you expect to see? Well, I expect to see uh, uh, Taylor try uh, run the Illinois offense, and I expect to see him um, maybe avoid some of the mistakes he made last week and, and take advantage of his quickness and strong arm. And, and uh, you know, they don't have any choice. He's the guy, right? I mean, other, other than that, they have to go with a freshman. You, Robinson is not playing, and uh, neither are the other top two quarterbacks, uh, Peters and Williams. So, this is tough. It's 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 uh, it's not fair, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's the way it's working this year. Lauren and I'll be back on uh, with you on our pregame coverage, which begins at twelve thirty. Illinois and Minnesota at two forty this afternoon from Memorial Stadium. Thanks to our guests Kent Brown, Justin Harrison, and Mike Grimm on WDWS Champaign Urbana. Steve Kelly, have a good weekend, everybody.